On this week's episode, for the final time, we better call Saul. Is Amazon in a league of their own? And is it time to take the day shift on Netflix? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break, we truly appreciate it. And if you can, go ahead and take care of us also as well at the Happy Hoarder and everything we do at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, including the fact that we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer that's out there on Facebook. Plus, we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can support all of that, those incredible things, including PopCultureCosmos.com, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He's our own man who's in a league of his own right there for you at the Happy Hoarder. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at thehappyhoarder.com and the Happy Hoarder on Facebook, plus all the things that he does for us at popculturecosmos.com. And of course, the Super BS Gamescast, which you got to go ahead and check out every time out wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, of course, his amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck, is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? You're in a league of your own, man. I'm in a league of my own. Just play ball, you know? Well, this Dragon Ball super superhero thing is kind of confusing because people are posting wrong dates or they're not posting it at all, which is very confusing. So funny story about that. So me and the, my girls are going to go see Dragon Ball Super. IGN released their review. They're like, it comes out this weekend. So I was like, oh, okay. So I, I went to the movies on Friday took my girls we got our our popcorn we got our like candy and our drinks sat down in the movie theater the guy taking the tickets didn't even look at the tickets he just told us where to go and i we sit down i'm like this is weird right we're five minutes before the movie starts nobody's in the movie theater there's no nothing playing on the screen what's up and then i pull out the tickets and i was like i can't believe we did this we're here on the wrong date so we showed up to the movies to watch Dragon Ball Super Superhero a week early. According to what IGN had stated originally is that it came out last week domestically. It actually released August 12th worldwide in other spots worldwide, but does not release domestically in the U.S. So that's a correction. But they listed and that's what I was referencing. Yep. Yeah. So there, that's a problem. But then if you go to Box Office Mojo and you go to their release schedule, it doesn't even show it at all. Yep. I mean, I mean, according to Box Office Mojo, it already came out, though. You know, that's a, it's sitting at like 18,000 right now. So if you go to their list, it's like 56 on the worldwide list. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know why they don't have it listed as an upcoming U.S. release date. The numbers.com does. So I finally checked that one. And that one, as a reference, does show it coming out this weekend uh, for domestic audiences. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, I don't very know. confusing, I don't know. my friend. Very confusing. IGN confused us all. They, I think they rated the movie at like a seven or something. But yes, you know, it's. I, I look at it this way with like Dragon Ball Super. You know, there's an allegedly there's another season of Dragon Ball Super coming out or another like series coming out. I I don't know, but it's a show. People like it. You know, it's still like hanging on to its legacy, and it's it's entertaining to some people. I I don't. You know, we, we have these like aggregate sites that want to judge movies like these anime movies or these movies that are made for nostalgia's sake. Like, what do you expect it to get a 10? You know, like, what are you what are you looking for when you rate a movie like that? You know, 
Well, I guess if it's fun, if it's okay. It's like what I did with the Gray Man. I, I mean, I think I'd give the Gray Man, if I was doing it on a point scale, I'd give it about a 7 out of 10 because it's just a popcorn flick. Now, it's right. a $200 million popcorn flick, and it is no longer the number one entity people are watching on Netflix, which I'm sure is of great concern to Netflix. But we'll talk more about that when we talk about Day Shift on Netflix coming up a little bit later in the show. But it's kind of interesting how that worked out as far as the, I guess, the the misprint by IGN on that as far as, or the allument to, because they didn't indicate that it was going to come out until next weekend at the theaters. Well, that, that's kind of disappointing. That's the second thing in a row that they've done that I thought found disappointed in over a week. They did not list when the upcoming shows and films that were coming to Disney Plus. They did not include the Orville which actually dropped all of its episodes this past week on Wednesday. They did not list that. They ignored that as far as coming out on August 10th. So I was kind of upset by that. And a show that actually is verging on cancellation or not cancellation, depending on how it does on Disney Plus, that could have been a big help as well. Yeah, the rating system is just weird to me because like I, I get – you know, rating like the uh, movies and stuff, but you, when you have something that's like based on a property from the eighties that, or that premiered in like the late eighties, early nineties, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to go in like expecting it to be like an award winning film. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just interesting how people do that. And you know, back in the day when Dragon Ball, I think was at its height, I mentioned this on the Friday show with Melinda, about how Dragon Ball continues to go ahead and survive. And I remember back like in the late 2000s, like 2007, 2008, when Dragon Ball had like two or three properties coming out each and every year. I mean, we had so many different offshoots. It was going into different styles, not just Dragon Ball Z, but Dragon Ball Z, Tenkaichi, and there was other named things within the Dragon Ball universe that was getting kind of confusing. People would come up to me looking for a Dragon Ball game and I'm saying, my gosh, I've got, I'm looking right behind me at my counter and I'm looking at five or six different recent releases of any Dragon Ball games. And I'm like, which one? Do you want Dragon Ball Z? Do you want Dragon Ball Z Tenkaichi? Do you want this? Do you want that? It's like different offshoots. And they, they get, you know, it's just confusing at that point in time. Now that the Dragon Ball IP has kind of slowed down a little people that, you know, People got to get this right, man. People got to get this right on and make sure that they they give a movie like that, which its success really hinders on the first week success for a movie like that. They got to go ahead and make sure that they get that right. But I also look at it like this. Having it come out in theaters is just kind of like a bonus for people, you know, because most of the time you go back to when I was a kid, like I, I love Dragon Ball. Don't get me wrong. Like I have the, almost a complete series of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT. I'm working on Super. haven't really watched as much of it as what I liked. But anyways, like the movies when they had like the they had like Cooler's Revenge and Brawly, Bio Brawly. They have Bojack Unbound, like all these movies. They're straight to DVD releases. So nothing ever got pushed out into the theaters until they realized like, oh, hey, we can market off this nostalgia. You know, and then they released the Return of Frieza and they had like the Brawly movie, which actually did really well for for Fox. But yeah, it's just it's it's a weird landscape, you know, and I agree with you. Like they have to get that right if they're going to, you know, put the money into putting it into theaters. I just. Yeah, I mean, but it's a very front loaded movie. Those movies get the majority of its audience in that first weekend mm-hmm. oh and yeah there's a same, there's, same there's a very in. real chance that it next week it could be the number one box office movie in america there's a very real chance for that mm-hmm. but it, it you know if nobody knows the exact date when it comes out then that's a problem it is a problem and that's why you have ign and all these other media companies like they got yeah they do how to get their dates right because that can be it's almost as bad as like breaking a street date you know for a video game they used to do that all the time back in those days. Hey, out here, Walmart still does it. You know, I remember going yeah. to get Ghost of Tsushima and they like accidentally put the game on the shelf like a week and a half early. I would see the boxes and they come in and they actually would specifically say, do not unseal this box until such and such date. Do not release this game and put this game out until such and such a date. And they would actually state on the box exactly what you could do and not do with it. But, you know. It never seemed to work out that way. 
Right. And I know that's like the great thing too for these companies love this. Like you have to download day one patches, you know, and I'll bet you can't download those patches until the game is actually released. So it probably helps hinder people from spoiling games. Well, hopefully we can get this corrected in the near future, but these references have got to go ahead and get their act together on, you know, like we do when we report it, we base our knowledge off of these huge, supposedly correct websites. And yeah, I understand everybody makes mistakes, but my gosh, don't do too many or else people are going to just walk away. This is kind of a big mistake. Yeah. this. I wonder how many people, right. And I wonder how many people did what I did this past uh, weekend well i can tell you you and i both did so that's for sure that's something that is a great concern and i think uh, people at IGN need to go ahead and start getting their numbers a little bit a little bit more right so mm-hmm. go ahead and help everybody out but we've got a great week on tap for you right here at the pop culture cosmos we're going to be talking about better call saul amazon is in a league of their own talk about that series that's already out on amazon also, as well, we're going to be talking about Day Shift on Netflix. She-Hulk is coming out this week, the next entity in the Marvel TV universe. THQ Nordic had a presentation recently. My question to Josh will be about where does THQ Nordic stand in the pantheon of video games? Tales of the Walking Dead, that anthology series, comes out as well on AMC. Will this continue any type of success for The Walking Dead, or will it just become another series of The Walking Dead that has now been viewed by many as an afterthought now in TV history? And also as well, Hogwarts Legacy has a game delay. Is this becoming a huge issue with the industry in that another game has left 2022? We'll talk about that on the show as well. But first, my friend, before we hit the break, it is Better Call Saul's final episode coming up here on Monday. A great series. Bob Odenkirk even suffering a heart attack in the final season in real life and coming back to going ahead and filming the final season. This looks to be very possibly for now the final installment of the Better Call Saul Breaking Bad universe. Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, who has received such praise over the years, is moving on to something different. I know there was rumors about Giancarlo Esposito coming back at a prequel for his character and basing a show around that, but nothing, I guess, has materialized in that sense. In fact, he's already talked about becoming Professor X for Marvel. Your thoughts on this, my friend, because this is a historic television series coming to an end a series which is even though as great as it is its predecessor breaking bad is considered by many to be one of the best shows of the century for television let me throw this back at you with a question of my own like how much is too much like when do you take a good thing and you just say all right i think it's time to stop you know this is a lesson that walking dead has yet to learn but you know you look at better call saul great show yeah, right. Breaking Bad, great show. At what point do you just stop? You're like, okay, well, this universe is is told its great stories. Is anybody is it going to tarnish the reputation if we take a chance and put out a spin-off that nobody cares about? Is that going to to tarnish the work that we've already done? Well, it's very Interesting to see that he did walk away from the AMC money, the sure thing, again, because he could have put something else out there in the Breaking Bad universe, and it looks like that he is going to walk away from it to do something else different, and that creatively is to be commended uh, by Vince Gilligan in order for him to go ahead and continue another series down the line that he hopes will be just as big a success as Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, but man, the legacy that he is going to leave behind, I have a feeling that they will try to go back into it at some point in time because AMC is eventually just going to throw out so much cash that he's not going to be able to resist. But at least for now, we can consider these two shows and especially Breaking Bad amongst the upper pantheon of television series of all time. Okay. Okay. Can I add one last thing to this? So, I, yeah. and this is a good conversation to have. Is 
Okay, Taylor Kitsch, right? You know, I read an interview recently with him because he's in something coming out and allegedly like his performance is like incredible in this. So mm-hmm. being interviewed by this guy, right? And they're saying, hey, there's a Friday Night Lights because I was like what made him big. He played Tim Riggins in Friday Night Lights. They're like, hey, Friday Night Lights, there's a reunion show coming out. Are you going to be a part of that? And he goes, Tim Riggins will not be a part of that. He goes, I think Tim Riggins' story has been told there's nothing left to mine out of that character. And he goes, and I don't want to go back to that character because that was a completely different time in my life. And I feel like I have portrayed that character and told his story and there's nothing left for me there. Okay, so now we go back to Breaking Bad, right? And we have the story of Walter White and at what point that character's story complete? You know, at, at what point do you say, okay, you know, we've told the early part of his life. We've told the later part of his life. And they're two very great, complete stories. The character development is done. It's time to say goodbye. Like, at what point do you think that happens? Well, again, Vince Gilligan is saying that it's happening as of the end of Better Call Saul because that leads into Breaking Bad. If since mm-hmm. Better Call Saul is a prequel to Breaking Bad, the ending is coming because you're already seeing Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul. They're have reprisal roles in the last couple episodes of better call Saul. So you're now seeing the transformation of the early events of breaking bad would be taking place right about this time period in the television series. So I think Vince Gilligan is done with this universe for now, but I'm not going to say never. And he has said, never say never. And again, if AMC backs up the Brinks truck, as we always say on this show, it's going to be very hard for him to resist, especially if his next offerings are not quite as successful. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. I just we, we have these like great shows, these great stories, great movies that mm-hmm. and people are always clamoring for spinoffs. Like, I want to know more about this character. But there are there comes a point when you're like, there's nothing really left to say about this character. And if we keep making new things, like eventually this character is going to lose what made him so interesting. I, I look at that with Robert Rodriguez's El Mariachi trilogy, like El Mariachi, Desperado, great movies. We got to see this like really tragic character played by Antonio Banderas. And then Once Upon a Time in Mexico just kind of like ruined the whole thing for me. Well, we'll see what happens with a continuation of the series, but it's not going to be for quite some time at the very least. But it is Better Call Saul, again, one of the most well-received shows currently on television, setting itself up for the events leading into Breaking Bad, which is considered by many to be one of the best shows of the past 23 years here in domestic television history so it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out for this final episode hopefully everyone out there that is interested in the series will get a chance to catch it what are your thoughts out there on better call saul as it hits its final episode and for now in this breaking bad universe the final installment but we think there's going to be a future for at some time for the breaking bad series but you never know this could be it this could be it indeed but what are your thoughts out there on Better Call Saul's final episode? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. My friend, there's still a bit more before we hit the half-hour break. Amazon is in a league of their own with a, I guess, a a redo, a reimagining of the very well-received early 1999s and 1990s movie, A League of Their Own. They've made a TV series revolving that barnstorming ladies' baseball team basing it off that successful movie with Tom Hanks and Madonna and Gina Davis and are now, you know, what, almost 30 years later, reprising it with a series. So your thoughts on this? I mean, it has garnered okay reviews. It is seemingly doing well on, on Amazon. 
Not sure if he, yeah, how well it's doing yet because the numbers haven't come out as of yet for it, but seems to be doing to the point where it's become a, a series that they're promoting very well. But again, it touches on a lot of the same things and in, it actually is able to go ahead and flesh itself out even more because it's a series now instead of a movie. But your thoughts on A League of Their Own, a great movie, a very fun movie back in the day and a very underrated performance by Tom Hanks now turned into a television series on Amazon Prime. I feel weird talking about this because my wife's in the next room and she this is like one of her all-time favorite movies. So I, I don't really have a lot of experience with it. I can tell you how she feels and she didn't really understand how they could make a series of this. The movie was so great in her eyes, you know, and so she just doesn't understand like why they would risk tarnishing it by making it into a streaming series. Has she not listened to the last six years of our broadcasts? <laughs> yes, yes, she has. She's that would lead the answer right there for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, she like she's it. It is like a movie that stands because you know it, it's a movie that stands out to her. Like it's very, it's a very special movie to her, and you know she she's one of those people like where if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. And that's uh, kind of her stance on it. So I don't know if she's going to watch it. If people do really like this, so you know, it, it seems like it's a, it's a risky move to make a series. You know, I see why they did it. You know, I understand like we're in a time and place where like something like that people will watch it. You know, but you know, I'm just curious how many fans of the original movie are going to be clamoring to watch this, or really like, or are struggling to understand like why it was made. But then there might be a new audience that it's reaching to because, yes, it came out 30 years ago to this year. So it is a 30-year-old property, and you know Hollywood. That's what yeah. we always on the show. Well, they always recurgitate the same ideas over and over because original ideas and original concepts are really hard for them to go ahead and create that actually achieve a worldwide success. So go back to what you're familiar with and go back to a property that did make some head waves way back when because it was a profitable hit back in the day never really got any traction on anything else during the day as far as a sequel so they figure it hasn't been touched for 30 years essentially mm -hmm. why not come back to it and see what happens there you know again like i understand why people do but i kind of look at it the same lens i look at this it's safer it's a safer bet. it's it's safer and but i also look at something like the roadhouse remake coming out with jake gyllenhaal like that's such a classic movie that's a sacred movie to a lot of people it's a risky risky venture is what i'm gonna say is it sacred because of the actor that was in it or is it sacred because of the movie because i saw the movie back in the day and it hasn't aged well I will just leave it at that as far as... Yeah, I I would say a little bit of both, though, because if you look at... Remember Red Dawn with, like, Chris Hemsworth and that all the trouble that development of that movie oh, went that, through? Yeah, and that tanked, and that tanked. And it, it tanked hard, but a lot of, like, it was getting a lot of flack because people really like... For some reason, I don't know why, but people really liked the original Red Dawn, and they're like, you can't touch this. But then again, it leads into the Patrick Swayze thing as far as he was such a beloved actor... Mm -hmm. in his day and then of course his tragic passing in, yeah. you know in more modern times he wasn't able to go ahead and flesh out an entire acting career i think a lot of people would say and i would say that he was robbed of his later stages of his career what he could have provided and continued to provide great performances but mm -hmm. again this doesn't surprise me at all because the fact is it was a property that was successful in the day that hasn't been touched for 30 plus years yeah. Why not go back to it again if you're the studio executives in charge of this? They figure it's safe money, but again, it tarnishes the legacy. I think if it's a really bad or a disappointing version when it finally comes out. Right. Again, back to like a league of their own. Like, who knows? You know, I haven't watched it, but it could be great. You know, by the time the, the season or series is over, it could be something people are like, oh, hey, I really enjoyed that. Or it could be something where people are like, I hate that. Why did they make a series of such a great movie? The, for things like that, I, I don't think there's any in-between. I don't think there's any like, yeah. oh, it's just okay. It's either really good or it's really bad. A League of Their Own, again, is coming out of Metacritic. It's not doing that bad. It's got, I think, around 65, 70 on Metacritic right now. So 
you know, pretty good reviews, okay reviews right now. And from what I'm seeing online, I don't see that fervor against it, like possibly what we could be seeing with Roadhouse upcoming, but I don't see that really mad charge against it. I think because of the fact that all the main characters are still somewhat out there, productive in pop culture and still performing. I think that that's something that now they've come to expect that people have around properties like that being reimagined for something else just for content purposes. So I don't think there's a big stink on the league of their own. I think Roadhouse, like you said, might come up a little bit different just because people's fascination and people's uh, appreciation for the work of Patrick Swayze. But for Mm -hmm. now, I think it is what it is. And it's like I said, for Amazon, it's nice filler and they're just trying to go under the radar with some, pretty good successes while netflix and disney seem to battle out every single week yeah okay one last thought though what do you think about if they would have made it a continuation of the story in the original movie absolutely because the original movie took place in the 1940s maybe go ahead and see if you could continue it on into the latter 1940s or 1950s after that historic movie takes place so yeah that would have probably been a better suit for me i think right it seems less risky yeah it seems less risky indeed but what are your thoughts out there on a league of their own for amazon is it something you're going to catch this new revisioning of this ip that was such a big hit back in the day 30 years ago this year let us know your thoughts on a league of their own if you're going to catch it on amazon we'd love to hear your thoughts pop culture cosmos and yahoo.com my friend, before we hit the break, real quick, want to ask you about Day Shift that's now out on Netflix. It's a vampire thriller from the folks at Netflix with Jamie Foxx, Snoop Dogg, and Dave Franco. This is getting like average reviews. It reminds me of something that comes out. It's the Popcorn Fair. It's making no bones about it. Come in for a few chuckles. Come in for a few laughs. Going to provide you a little bit of action. And there you go. It reminds me so much of what they do at Netflix in regards to this. And something that I think strays away from when they want to do a big budget action feature like The Gray Man. That's $200 million. This is considerably less. Reminds me of what they've done over the past couple years with Ryan Reynolds and Chris Hemsworth. Just put out a... Uh, under $100 million movie with a leading actor that everybody seems to know and just put a generic script or just a generic type movie out there and let it do numbers. So your thoughts on this. I think that their model when they make movies like Day Shift and Triple Sevens and all the other movies that have come out with a big name actor up front, I think that's a better plan to go to for them financially than trying to go ahead and delve into the big box office films like the Irishman and the gray man. They seem to be something that do well, but not well enough to support their big budgets. Yeah. That's, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about risk here and I think that having a movie with a big name actor on Netflix and, you know, not having a theater run and being something that is just okay like people will watch it because they're subscribed, you know, and it's it's going to cost them less money. So it's less of a risk. Whereas if they were to take something like Gray Man or what was Tomorrow War, right? Chris Pratt, and they were to have those have theatrical runs before hitting Netflix, like that would have been like a financial disaster. Well, that for them. Tomorrow War is Amazon. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Remember your Amazon packages last year that came in the mail? Yes, during that period of time with, with the Tomorrow War advertising all over that's right that's right yeah what was there's one recent with chris, with chris pratt though on terminal man was that yeah that's also amazon oh jeez, oh, i don't even know <laughs> netflix right gray man was the one with the rock and gal gadot and ryan reynolds like yeah these... and then you had also ryan reynolds he ryan reynolds actually has done more than one of these cash grabs actually three now off the top of my head that seemed like it was filmed on a weekend for him gets the cash money and then puts out something that again, it's just, it's just there gets a few weeks on Netflix. Red notice, I think was like yeah, something like that as far as the one with Gal Gadot and the rock as well. But yeah, they're just like, again, they're money grabs. They come in, they cash a paycheck for the actor and it's a generic script. You know, just throw out 50 to $70 million. And there you go. Those seem to be a winning formula for Netflix because 
they do almost as well in every single occasion as what we see from the gray man or the Irishman. So I don't mm -hmm. know. I think it might be a formula that they might latch on to continuing going on in the future. So we'll see what happens with the success of Day Shift with this vampire thriller, vampire action comedy that's now available on Netflix. What are your thoughts on Jamie Foxx's Day Shift? Do you think it's going to continue the series of successes for Netflix? And do you think these smaller budgeted movies with a big star fronting it are better ideal and a better shot than what they do with The Gray Man or The Irishman? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. Well, there's still much more to talk about on the back half of the show. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Culture Cosmos, aka Josh Peterson, also the man behind the Happy Hoarder. Is there any chance you can give us an update on what's going on with the Happy Hoarder? Yeah, actually, I just posted an update video on the Happy Hoarder Facebook page. You can follow us on there. Yeah, I'm going to leave that GoFundMe up there for a couple more months. And then I've already started to create stock. We got some Japanese import PS1 games, filling up those retro catalogs. Within four to five weeks, all that should be great. And then we are going to go ahead and open the online store at the beginning of next month. So you can do some shopping if you'd like to. But yeah, things are moving. We're excited. It's awesome. There you go, indeed. It's the Happy Hoarder. Right now, you can go ahead and like the page for the latest updates on Facebook at the Happy Hoarder. My friend, there's still much to talk about on today's program. She-Hulk is the latest Marvel installment to the television cinematic universe. And it's something that a lot of people are excited for. I know a lot of people were kind of like, not paying compliments to the look of She-Hulk as far as the CGI is concerned. I have no problem with it. I think it's actually got a little bit of a quirky side, a little bit of a more fun side. I'm actually looking a little bit more forward to it than Moon Knight and Ms. Marvel. I think it gets you back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we're more familiar with, a little bit more fun looking, based in Los Angeles, law firm that wants to go ahead and specialize in superheroes and have She-Hulk who got into an accident with Bruce Banner and their blood exchange. So somehow that she has become the legendary She-Hulk. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, man. I really have some high hopes for She-Hulk. I don't think it's going to be the best of, of Marvel by any stretch, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun, especially with all the appearances by other well-known Marvel stars. I'm kind of just excited to go for a ride with, you know, I'm, I'm just along for the ride. I'm not, I don't have any expectations out of it. I'm not going in saying like, oh, geez, another Marvel thing. Daredevil was the hook for me. Even if he's on there for five minutes, you know, just being able to see that character again on screen is going to be cool. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a fun show. I love the presence of the Bruce Hulk or whatever they're calling him. The breaking the fourth wall thing I'm, I'm struggling with because it seems like superhero things now are trying to mimic the Deadpool style and uh, not well she actually created that first in the Marvel Universe in the comic books she actually did fourth wall in the comic books no I know that so like I'm just seeing how I'm, I want to know how it's going to look how, how are they going to pull this off and make it feel good so yeah I mean again I'm just I'm excited to go along for the ride it's something new something different and this one is one that I'm actually not going to have to like force myself to watch because there's actually kind of a desire to sit there and watch it. Okay. Well, again, even with Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, which I thought were okay, not to me the best television series for Marvel, but they were okay. They both had their relative success. Miss Marvel actually very popular on Disney Plus as Disney Plus was using it as a major portion for this past quarter and their great success and their actually beating expectations as far as numbers are concerned. So I'm really interested to see what She-Hulk will do. It stars Tatiana Maslany, again, as the face of this 
law firm that wants to go ahead and support superhero causes. And I think that it's just going to be a fun show. But let me ask you this, getting back to the fourth wall thing, because every now and then during the series, as hinted in the clips that we've seen already in the trailers, she will be breaking the fourth wall to let the audience knows what happens. Again, that's from the comic books. If they didn't do it, would there be a bigger stink? I mean, you're a comic book guy. Would there be a bigger stink if she didn't do the fourth wall stuff? So with She-Hulk, I look at it the same way I look at Guardians of the Galaxy. Like to the common person, there's not a lot really known about her comic books, right? Like she's, I haven't gone out of my way to read any of those, but that's because like her like big arcs came around like after I stopped collecting comic books. So it's not to say I didn't want to. I just didn't didn't go out of my way to do it so i i don't know like i wouldn't throw a stink maybe some hardcore fans out there would but i think that these the mcu is a completely different entity from the comic books and i i feel like even if they didn't people wouldn't really th- throw a fit about it but then again i i you know i don't know i haven't seen the show yet i'd have to watch the show and then like get my thoughts to you afterwards when's that come out by the way is it soon thursday of this week oh nice okay all right cool get your disney plus ready oh my gosh that's so much because there's there's that like we're still we're about halfway through sandman then there's she hulk and then game of thrones comes out next week lord of the rings and then lord of the rings next month man ah there's so many things so many things to watch absolutely I'm caught up for now, but then She-Hulk comes out, so we have to catch up there. But yes, that's something that will come out this week to Disney+. Plus. Again, Disney+, Plus is riding a high with its combined family of Hulu and ESPN+. Plus. Now a few hundred thousand more than Netflix, if you want to go ahead and say, as far as their combined universe is concerned. As an entity, though, it's still at 150-plus million subscribers, so that's nothing to sneeze at, and it's gaining on Netflix. So Disney plus is really looking good at this point in time. And it's looking even better, hopefully with she Hulk, which we will talk about each and every week right here at the pop culture cosmos. But yeah, she Hulk is on the way and she Hulk is closing out along with black Panther two Wakanda forever. They close out phase four of this very confusing, very muddled. And I think in the long term, not very beloved, phase of the marvel cinematic universe but again hopefully we will see the fruitful benefits of all the introductions we've seen and all the different stories that were told in phase four finalizing with she hulk and wakanda forever hopefully that will go ahead and flesh itself out with what's coming up in phase five and phase six yeah i hope so and you're right like this is not a phase of marvel that is going to be remembered so or remembered um, well remembered well hopefully wakanda forever is good but looking at it right now like i think people are more excited for what's to come than you know what is currently in the present well we'll see what happens it is she hulk looking forward to catching it this week and we'll be giving you the rundown each and every week right here on the pcc multiverse and of course right here at the pop culture cosmos but we definitely want to hear your thoughts on your excitement for this week with She-Hulk, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. If you're excited for She-Hulk and what she will bring to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the reluctant superhero becoming a superhero in She-Hulk, please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, there's still a little bit more to talk about before we head on out. THQ Nordic. And I, I, I don't know. To me, THQ Nordic is a, a, I don't know, an enigma to me, and I'll explain why here in a sec. But THQ Nordic last week had its showcase of over a dozen games that it is bringing out in the not-too-distant future. Some of the main highlights of this was everything from an Alone in the Dark remake to aew's five forever the first big wrestling game in many years that's not named wwe destroy all humans 2 reprobed it looked funny it looked humorous when i saw the highlights of it it's something that i guess is going to have its own niche but yeah i played the remake of destroy all humans a couple years ago and i got a chance to review it and i had a lot of fun with it going back in time 
There's Jagged Alliance 3, Tempest Rising, Recreation, that's rec as far as you wrecking your car, from the makers of Burnout Paradise games. The, a lot of those guys are back to make Recreation. Way the Hunter, SpongeBob SquarePants. They also mentioned a South Park game that could be on the way as well as far as their games in development. I mean, a lot of stuff coming out. THQ Nordic is one to have a lot of volume. A lot of quality is a different story. THQ Nordic has been around for quite a few years now, especially after the death of THQ, the original THQ, which was once a powerhouse in the 90s and fell hard in the early 2000s. Your thoughts on THQ Nordic? I see THQ Nordic as a company now, especially after all the acquisitions that they bought smaller studios and publishers over the course of the years. I see them at a stage where they have to start producing higher quality games now so that they could be thought of as a success in the years to come. Because I, I think they see themselves as bigger than what they actually are right now in the industry. Yeah, THQ Nordic, they make me really sad. You know, like I appreciate what they do. I love anybody that's empowering the gaming industry, putting stuff out there, risky projects, but... They I mean, just, you've reviewed stuff in the past couple of years. They, from yeah, they just disappoint me at every turn because they'll like show this like beautiful cinematic and then they'll be like, hey, this game is going to have this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then when it's finally executed, it is bad. It's just bad, you know? And, and it's not to say, again, I don't appreciate what they do. It's just the quality control is not important to them and i think that that is what's so heartbreaking about this company like i even look at the new alone in the dark like i I used to love those games and now i see this trailer for the reboot and i'm like oh this sounds cool but it's probably gonna break my heart when it comes out yeah i even like i looked at like the trailer for space for sale like i was like oh that sounds like a fun game maybe i'll check it out but then i know that even though like i know nothing about this game's property i've never seen before I'll get it. I'll turn it on. I'll be like, man, what is this? You know, it's going to have cheesy dialogue and it's going to have poorly executed mechanics. And I don't know. It's hard for me to get excited about anything with the THQ Nordic brand on it. And it I know it seems like they have all these fancy gifts and these fancy mm-hmm. games that they have in production. And then when it finally comes out, they just don't put enough money or equality or time to go ahead and right. and make it as good as they present it in the in the offerings leading up to it. it's like basically that they are they see themselves as this big huge entity but don't take all the steps to get there case in point yeah. i sent you an email which actually is, describes mm-hmm. all the things that were mentioned in the actual presentation that they had last week go to your email and bring it up and tell me what you see or let me ask you, tell me if you can see, because again, this is a showcase of all your upcoming games when I send it to you. And when I read it, the problem is I can't read it because they put a black font in front of a black background. Yeah. It's you like can't a, see what it says. I know. I have to highlight everything. Yeah. It's like a giant firework. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, a black is- background with black font. This is like one of those magic marker type things. Yeah. It, you have it's to highlight it, it to be able and, to see. And for a press release worldwide, that's not a very good thing to do. You're trying to showcase all your upcoming games and you do it in a format that's really not the best presentation. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would fire the marketing guy if they did this, but wow, yeah, it's pretty bad. See, um, that tells me right there, again, you try to take all these steps but you don't take all the steps. You, you mm-hmm. try to go ahead and have these nice things that you tell everybody about, and then when it finally comes out to the final package, it just doesn't seem to be well executed. And I think that's the problem with THQ Nordic. Like you said, quality control. Quality control is just not there, and they'll never be at the stage or the level that they want to be as a publisher until they get their quality under control. Absolutely not. It kind of reminds me, like, I was really excited about bio mutant right remember that last year really yeah, excited that's finally, what i was alluding to earlier that yeah. one of the games you reviewed finally sat down to play it and it was bad it was like that scene in jingle all the way when arnold schwarzenegger he finally gets a turbo man from the shady santa clauses 
and he's like, oh, yes. And then he opens the box and all the pieces fall out. Like, that's how I felt playing Biomutant. I mean, this goes back for THQ Nordic was under a different name. And, and the Nordic part of it, actually, the folks there, they actually bought out the THQ name to go ahead and hopefully have a better association with gamers out there. But the THQ name originally, when it was an entity, was a actual in the N64 era, especially, you know, a lot of games came out under the, the THQ banner that was actually pretty successful. The mm -hmm. WWF games back at that time were very successful under the THQ label. It's something that, again, a lot of people were really into the THQ library at that point in time in the 90s, especially. And then in the 2000s, they unfortunately fell on hard times to where they actually got out of business and Nordic bought the THQ name to go ahead and try and, and bring that name value back up. But again, mm -hmm. it just seems like they want to go ahead and cut corners to bring out a product people like, but are not willing to go all the way with it to dot the I's and cross the T's per se, in order to go ahead and put a game out there that's going to resonate with people long-term. Yeah. It's a shame. Really. It, it is like, it's, it's like one of those companies that, they want to acquire all these names and these properties and these developers. And then they're just like, oh, I just trust them to do what they're going to do. And they end up not doing it. It's like, you know, me trusting my kids to be able to like clean their room without me supervising. You know, it's just like the work doesn't get done the way that it should. We've talked about Ubisoft on this show a lot mm -hmm. about how one time they had become, especially around the middle part of the, Assassin's Creed series, one of the biggest entities in video games. Now, they are not as big as they once were. They're still thought of somewhat highly, but they started to put out a lot of stuff, and I think that their quality suffered in the latter half of the last decade, which I think has made them reevaluate things to the point where they cancel a lot of projects so that they bring out a smaller group of stuff, but that will be of higher quality. I think THQ should go that same route, that they should cut a lot of projects in order to produce maybe two or three games a year that are of higher quality, that would resonate more with audiences, and that would get a eventually a bigger return and maybe steer themselves away from all these lower cost, relatively low producing games that are just a dime a dozen that'll end up on the clearance bin after a while. Just just seems like they maybe they need to go ahead and reevaluate themselves as a company. And if they can, they might have enough money or cachet with the fans out there to go ahead and be able to produce something that will resonate with an audience. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. The the issue is they own so many developers that like if they say let's focus more on this one like you just have a bunch of people sitting around so if they were to be like to each of the developers hey at the beginning of this year we're all going to start one new project and you're going to take your time on this project like we're not we don't care about our quarterly results we just want to put out something good instead of like leaving them alone to rush this game out like actually have somebody there to assure quality and make sure the work's getting done. And even if the game takes, you know, two to three years to come out, at least it will have been good. And people will look at it and be like, THQ Nordic put out a great game. It just seems to me like they're the remnants of the height of the Wii games and that the shovelware that you saw, as far as those huge Ugh. baskets of shovelware yeah. that you saw on the clearance bin for $5, oh just seems God, to me, yeah. yeah, it just seems to me like they're the remnants of that. Just, just seems like yeah. to me that their last surviving entity that still goes ahead and has that mentality. I mean, AEW fight for the fallen to me, I, I have hopes that this game will be a great competitor to the WWE 2K series, especially the series that has had to do a reboot of its own because of how poorly it got over the past few years. I'm hopeful that this game will be successful, but under the THQ Nordic library, I'm not so sure. I don't have enough confidence in it becoming a big success just because of that fact, because of where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. It's, who knows? You know, maybe some of these games will come out. Some of them might be good. You, you know, they'll release physical copies 10, 15 years down the line. These copies will have gone up in value and people will look back like, oh, yeah, like Alone in the Dark or Space, what was it? Or you know, sale, Space for Sale. Space for Sale, Tempest Rising, whatever. They're like, 
those were good games because now you know they're they're worth a lot of money and selling for a lot on ebay so looking at this like especially going into this all digital future like it's not worth it to put out mediocre products what are your thoughts out there on the array of games coming out for thq nordic you get a chance check us out on game source or pop culture cosmos on facebook where we have a listing of the recent announcements that they made on their lineup coming because we certainly can't go off their press releases in all black. Oh my gosh. But what are your thoughts out there on THQ Nordic and the games that they're coming out with here in the not-too-distant future? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. A couple last tidbits before we head on out, my friend. First up is the game delays. Speaking of video games, Hogwarts Legacy is the latest to go ahead and say goodbye to 2022 as they went ahead and said that we're delaying our game to 2023. This is now, if you didn't think it was before for gamers, a huge problem. I mean, seriously, we have a lot of games that have moved over to 2023 I understand in 2023, it's going to give you a lot of great choices for a lot of great games, hopefully, but it leaves nothing or almost nothing for you to play this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this even there's like 40, I think 45 games have been pushed to 2023. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there'll be a lot of cool stuff to play next year, but we're going to be overloaded this time next year. Yeah, and I keep wondering, like, when is the announcement going to come that God of War is getting pushed? I, I hope they wouldn't do that because, but also like, I want the game to be good. So I'm torn on it. Like I want to play it this year. I want something to play this year. Sony needs something to come out this year, but also what if it gets pushed? I mean, you yeah. saw Microsoft having to push two of their big releases to 2023. Mm -hmm. Nintendo still on track with Splatoon three that's coming out next month. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot that is coming out as far as big name things. Of course, the Call of Duties that's coming out with Modern Warfare 2, that reimagining of the Modern Warfare series that's coming out. That's a no-brainer that is going to come out regardless. But yeah, the offerings are getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer, mm -hmm. and that's not a good thing for gamers. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. And now like it's getting to the point where like 2023 is so jam-packed that how long till we start seeing some of these games be like, oh yeah, now we got to wait till 2024 because we don't want our game to get smothered by all these things that are now coming out. What are your thoughts on all the game delays as Hogwarts Legacy is the latest game to be delayed into 2023? Seems to be coming old hack for this year. And the, one of the reasons why I said, and I wasn't trying to be me, but I was just going to tell you honestly that I feel that this is one of the worst years for video games. Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great show, but before we head on out, I know you mentioned earlier about the Walking Dead series. We all know that that's coming to an end. Of course, the Walking Dead series, the main series per se, is coming to an end, but that the Walking Dead IP will continue because AMC, I guess, unlike the Breaking Bad series and the Breaking Bad IP, they just can't leave the Walking Dead IP alone. The Walking Dead showrunners and creators, they love taking that money in. So they want to go ahead and continue that process with the latest offering, which is an anthology series, which I think is kind of interesting because they're one-offs per se, Tales of the Walking Dead. That is coming up here this weekend on AMC. This is something that I think is going to be nice for what it is, but I don't think it's going to be long remembered or anything like that. I don't think it's going to be a huge success for him because this is an IP that had its success, the height of its success, so many years ago. Desperation's a stinky cologne, Gerald. <laughs> like I, I 
think that like it's time to just let it go because much like the zombies in Walking Dead, the show is decaying and they need to just just stop it. Just stop. Please just stop. And I know there are people who love the show out there still, but it's just there is such thing as too much. You know, and like whatever love I had for the comic books is now gone because it's just it's been beaten to death. I'm just going to say I will stop back for the Rick Grimes series just because. Yeah, Rick yeah, Grimes, it, Rick Grimes, yeah. Yeah, I'll be down to watch that, too. But there's just like Fear the Walking Dead, Tales of the Walking Dead. There's another Walking Dead coming out, yeah. plus the Rick Grimes thing. Like there was another Walking Dead series that they had before for a little while. Yeah, it, it's just there's too much. Just stop, please. And. You know, I, I look at this like Disney, Disney, right? Going like, how do we keep people interested in Pirates of the Caribbean? I have an idea. Let's chop the limbs off one of our characters. So Barbosa's running around without a leg on. And then we're finally going to kill him in the last Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, it's just like, I don't know. Leave and then bring Margot Robbie out with a new rendition. Yeah, just let it die. Right now, I'm not going to look back on The Walking Dead fondly. Like, I loved the first few seasons, but I could care less now the show in itself has become a zombie that's true i mean you're talking about a series that it's height at its height had well over 15 million viewers an episode at its height and now you're talking about a series that is lucky to do two the walking dead has become the walking dead and i don't think there's even a shot that a revival is going to be possible with this thing well, the great Josh Culture Cosmos said it best. Desperation is a bad cologne indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on Tales of the Walking Dead? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode upcoming on this week with my good friend, Mrs. Melinda Barkhouse Ross, coming up on Friday at the PC Multiverse. We will be talking about our initial thoughts on She-Hulk, plus everything else that's going on in pop culture. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Yeah, two, actually. One, I should be able to talk about Dragon Ball Super next weekend. So I'll have some more detailed thoughts on that. Also, isn't D23 coming up here soon? It is indeed, and that's going to be of major importance. What else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe will be announced, especially with Phase 6? There will be a lot of open gaps that they need to fill, and they may announce that for D23. Hopefully they will also give people a way to go ahead and buy some extended packages now before the rate hike goes up in December on Disney Plus as well. I'm hoping their, their Founders Club, like me, that I'm a part of, will go ahead and you know get get a nice deal out there that they announced at d23 that's what i'm hoping for the oh, most that'll be nice spider-man we gotta hear something about spider-man right because sony's required to make a spider-man movie every like three years or else they lose the rights to the character so yeah hopefully we'll hear something about that that'll be cool they said spider-man's gonna be a new street level hero with like daredevil and stuff so uh, hey i'm down i'm down well you know universal will be losing the rights here soon for hulk so we could be seeing a Hulk movie somewhere in the back end, Phase 6 and beyond. We could be seeing a Hulk movie because Universal will be losing the rights here in the not-too-distant future, plus also the rights of some of the other properties. Namor, who couldn't be fronting his own movie because of the fact that it was under the rights of Universal. So we should be seeing a lot of different things here coming up in the not-too-distant future. So I'm excited yeah. for that. Once we get another Hulk movie out, that would be great. A World War Hulk movie. That's something I think a lot of people have been talking about in recent days. Yeah, World War Hulk would be cool. But I mean, that was like one that, that was a pretty tragic story. Like it ends with them like launching the Hulk into space. Like what? Well, I think that's what, what probably Mark Ruffalo would like as far as by that time, because, you know, he'd be, he's probably, you know, in his own mind thought the Hulk has been played out. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd love to see Scar, Son of Hulk. Like, I really enjoyed that comic book because that was a neat retelling of, like, the Hulk tale with Silver Surfer and Nova and a whole bunch of other cool characters in it. Well, we'll see what happens. The future is still alive for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it continues on this week with She-Hulk. We're going to talk about it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, and we'll let you know our thoughts on it. But, yes, we definitely appreciate yours as well. And we're always looking forward to talking the latest news in Marvel and also everything else in pop culture right here at the Pop Culture 
cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.